We hope that this message encourages you today. For more information about us, please visit myfreedom.church. And the title of this message is Change. That's a surprise, isn't it? 2020, a year of change. But it is change, change, change. That's what he wanted me to talk about. Um, And he brought a particular story up from the Bible in a number of different kind of mediums uh, that I was... Not mediums as in people talking to dead people. That's wrong. Um, In other words, a book, uh, two books and and something on YouTube. All right, so he brought this same same story uh, in Scripture to me three times. And and on all three times, it was about change. I thought, okay, I get it. I'm going to talk about change on Sunday. So you're not, some of you are kind of good at making up your mind, some of you are not so good, and some of you, it depends what the situation is that you need to make your mind up. Well, I think I'm pretty good at it. <laughs> I'm going to let you make your mind up whether you think I'm good at it. I think I'm good at it. That's, I'm, I, you need to go left or right? Let's go left. <laughs> you need to take the stairs or the lift? Let's take the lift, obviously. <laughs> Relax or watch the telly or go for a run. Go for a run. Don't be stupid. No. It's in that last part, actually, um, where my decision-making ability uh, seems, to, seems to go out the window. I, I subscribe to all, all, I think pretty much all the streaming channels apart from Apple Plus. All right? So anybody, you heard of it? It's like Netflix, Amazon Prime, all those kind of things. Um, and, and, and in the beginning of any of these things, it's great to subscribe to them because you, you, you know the programs you want to get through. You know what programs you want to binge watch. And, and, uh, and so you subscribe and, and you go through it. Anybody, anybody done that? Anybody subscribed to? Thanks, Paul. Okay, thank you, Pete. There we go. Oh, okay. Yeah, all right, there you go. There you go. A bit concerned you don't pay for something, but no. Um, all right, so, so what is it? You, you, you find the program, you, you, load it, you load up the program, you click play and you sit back, don't you? And, and you ignore the thing that in the corner it says, uh, five seconds till next play, do you want to stop? And you, no, I want to sit here and watch all of it. You know, I want to go through it. But here's the thing, right? If, after I've gone through that initial stuff that I wanted to watch, which is, I'll be honest, it's generally sci-fi, kind of got to be honest, um, I suddenly hit a wall of indecisiveness. Is that because I said a long word, or are you, like, is a revelatory thing there? So much good stuff. So many options. My other favourite thing I actually love watching is documentaries. I, 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 I will soak up documentaries um, on, on pretty much anything. I just love learning stuff. I, I love learning stuff. But, but nevertheless, there's so many of them on, on these streaming channels. There's, there's even particular Planet Knowledge is, is w- w- just one channel among many on Amazon Prime, and so what I end up doing is I, I scroll, uh, whether it's on my TV or on my iPad, I scroll, I read the description, and I go, well, that sounds amazing, but maybe there's something better. <laughs> and so you scroll, and then you find another, you go, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll definitely, I'll definitely watch that, but maybe there's something better. You know, you just, you just keep scrolling. It just keeps scrolling. And, and, and maybe, just maybe, there might be that one program that I eventually find that because, yet yeah, this is the one that is more interesting than the others. But even then, I'll probably go, but what if? What if just down the page there's another program that's even better than that one? So it's in those occasions where I hit that wall of indecisiveness. And it's the same thing when I'm in a bookshop. 
Yeah, I still do love books. I know I love digital stuff, but I still do love books. I love them. Um, I, I, I would, I would ha- My only thing when I have books is I don't open the spine that much because I like them to look new. So I, like, I open them like that. It's very hard to read. I guess that's why I love my Kindle because obviously you don't have a spine on that and what have you. But if I get a Kindle book and a proper book, I'd leave the book on the shelf so it looks good and then read it on my Kindle. Um, but anyway, I love books. But then, but then uh, you know, same thing happens. There's so much choice, isn't there? Um, or, or, or even a restaurant menu, you know, like if they go overboard with like a massive me- restaurant menu. You, what, what are you having? What are you having? No, what are you having? What did you order? What did you order? You know, do you, you, have you asked those questions when you're around the restaurant table? Like you need to know what somebody else's order before you make your decision. Um, you know, in all of this, maybe I should have just gone for that run. <laughs> you know, instead of sitting down to watch Netflix or Amazon Prime or, or whatever, maybe I should have just gone for that run. And you know what this is called? It's very simple. It's called choice overload or, or, or overchoice. Uh, it's an actual psychological thing. And it's one that actually most of us suffer from to a greater or lesser degree. Um, we, we, we perform better, on average, most of us perform better. We're able to make better choices when we're given a smaller list of things to choose from. I'm sure you, you can think about that and, and probably agree with that, I hope. The bigger the choice, the more indecisiveness uh, we, we have and when we're frozen with indecision. And even when we end up making a choice, we might quickly change our mind uh, uh, because we're sure that, not quite sure that is the best thing to watch, to do or to have or to read. So how easily do you change your mind? How easily do you change your mind? So once you've made your decision, how easy is it for you to change your mind? The Apostle Peter. Anybody know the Apostle Peter? I was going to ask that question. That was my next one, if anybody said yes. But obviously we know him from Scripture, don't we? So we know Peter from Scripture. Uh, He seemed to know where he was going in life. Uh, He'd make choices. He'd make them quickly and easily. He seemed to have an ability to boldly make his mind up, didn't he? But there was an occasion when he reconsidered his position and he changed his mind in the early days of the church. I'm not going to read this particular bit of scripture to you, but I want to tell you that it's Acts chapter 10. It's Acts chapter 10. So if you want to note that down, you can go back and you can go read it and you can put what I'm saying into some kind of context. Um, Now, Peter was an ex-fisherman. Now, by this time, he was a bold apostle. Yeah? Okay. And he decided to do some praying. So he, he and maybe take time to catch some rays as well. I, I, I don't know. But he went up onto the roof. I mean, I can only think of another one. Why did you go onto the roof where it's hot? Maybe he didn't really go to pray. Maybe he just went, hey, I'm just going to catch some rays. I don't know. Um, and he's on this roof of uh, this guy called Simon, uh, Simon the Tanner, actually. And, 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 he was, and, he, and he waited for his lunch. He decided he was hungry, so he asked somebody to get him some lunch. Okay, so have you set the scene? Yeah, he's on the roof, sun's shining. He's pretty hungry. He obviously has food on his mind. And while, as anybody who knows Acts chapter 10, you now know where I'm going with this, don't you? While he was sitting in the sun, enjoying its warmth and his conversation with God, something happened. Something major happened. He had a vision. And and this experience led him to begin uh, a a painful and, and personal change. He was compelled in his vision to confront his attitudes and to confront his prejudices. prejudices. <laughs> now, Peter didn't want to change. He didn't really want to change. He, he reckoned that he'd already changed enough. 
<laughs> since he met Jesus. I mean, how many of us probably think the same thing? I've changed enough, Jesus. I need no longer to be changed. Um, he, he, Peter, he'd had his quota of upheavals for, for, for one lifetime. Nevertheless, the vision that God gave him led him to change yet one more time. That change can be painful, can't it? Even simple changes can be unpleasant. For example, I don't know, let's just pick one out top of my head. But actually to move from the back of the hall to, to, to the front of the hall, um, I don't know, maybe, maybe that's... Maybe that's it's quite painful to do, I don't know. Or, 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 or weirdly, maybe if I asked you sometimes to move from the front to the back. Maybe you're a front person and, and you like to sit at the front. I do, that's where I try and get to. Mainly it's because I don't want to sit behind anybody who's too taller than me, uh, which inevitably happens. I went to a, a conference a few years ago and in the queue I stood behind the tallest man in existence and out of the 600 or so people that were there, I sat behind him. How does that happen? I took a picture, it was on Facebook, it's just this silhouette of a man and the stage with the lights and I can't see anything. Anyway, if you move from where you move, and we, even if we're prepared to move seats, um, we generally stick to the same side. I know that Chris and you lot, you'll always sit round about there and I know that you guys, you'll always sit there. Um, Kath generally ends up there and, and Jeff is just, that's his chair. That's where Jeff, that's where Jeff sits, all right? So you even have zones where you're, you're, you're comfortable. You don't really want to change, do you? It feels a bit weird, doesn't it? Like if you, it feel weird for me if suddenly I saw you over there. I'd be like, just sit at the front, but over there. That's, you know, so we, we, we don't, challenges are painful. They're, 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 they're tough. And, um, and most, most changes are, are tougher than asking you to change seats, aren't they? If we're called to make um, a major shift out of a comfortable way of thinking and doing things, and that distress, well, it can be quite extensive, I think. We'd rather not go through the discomfort. But change happens. It's inevitable. It's absolutely inevitable. We know from experience, don't we, as we go from one stage of life to another, things change. We, we all grow. Our bodies change. All right, the way we think about stuff changes it evolves and I see it in my kids absolutely see it in my kids so if you've got younger kids it's okay it changes whether it changes for the better I don't know but it certainly changes um, but my kids they want to be more independent they don't want to call me they don't want to call me daddy anymore it's cruel isn't it they want to call me daddy all right, I expected more sympathy. Flipping heck. Okay. All right, things change. Things change, all right? Thank you, Nick. Thank you for that violin. I appreciate that. And guess what? In the local church, things change. It's, it's also inevitable, isn't it? Even if, even if we don't quite like it at times. It, it changes. Paradoxically, um, most churches, most local churches anyway, quite rightly, want to experience growth in numbers. We want more people to come and experience what we've got and what have you. Um, but, but sometimes, even in churches that are growing and growing quite quickly, you might find one or two people that are saying, once we knew everyone, once we knew everyone, the congregation's full of... I've got a Yorkshire accent again with a slight camp tone going on, haven't I? I always do that when I'm doing this. The congregation's full of strangers with all kinds of different ideas. <laughs> Don't want those different ideas, do we? That's just weird. 
So change can be painful. Okay, let's get back to Peter. He's waiting for his lunch, don't forget. He's hungry. Um, uh, and, and let me remind you, let me remind you, or, or tell you, if, if you're not even aware at, at this point, um, that Christianity, uh, up until then, had just been a movement amongst the Jews. It's been quite a Jewish thing, um, like, a, like a small denomination, I guess, if you like, within the, the Jewish religion. Um, some of the uh, people around and about them called it a Jewish cult. You know, they didn't quite know how to take it. So it was very much within that grouping. And, and Gentiles, that is non-Jews, so in Scripture they're called Gentiles. Um, they're still on the outside. They're not allowed in yet, or they're not, they're not been, they're not been in, in, invited yet into this, um, into this grouping. Um, and Peter, as, as he sat in the sun, he had a vision which confronted his Jewishness. And as I go forward from here, and I really want you to not just listen to the words I'm saying or to be reminded of Scripture, but I need you to get how impactful this vision is for us today, for why we are where we are today. Because it's, it's huge. It's massive. So Jews, like Peter, they were kosher. And we know what kosher means? Okay, a few of you do. For those of you who don't, it means you're not allowed to eat certain kinds of food. And even in a certain kind of way. Foods like pork, rabbit, eels, snakes, some birds. I love it that it's some birds, not all birds. Insects and lizards. Can't blame them for the latter two. Insects and lizards. Sorry, it might be your culture. It doesn't have to be mine. Um, maybe I'm suffering the same prejudice that Peter is. In his vision, Peter saw something like a, like a tablecloth or a, I don't know, a linen thing, whatever. It's massive. Um, it's being lowered down from heaven been lowered down from heaven and, and, and in it were all kinds of different and in Peter's view disgusting food like it was moving around and making noises and stuff and it's disgusting food uh, and, and a voice maybe even God's voice doesn't actually say but you can surmise it might be um, told, him to them, told him to prepare them to be eaten in other words get one of these animals that are on this tablecloth. I know, it's vision, isn't it? It's weird. So, get one of these animals, kill it, <clears throat> and then eat it. Remember, Peter's waiting for his lunch. He's quite hungry. I don't know why God decided at this moment to give him that particular vision. Maybe it was quite applicable to where he was at. And Peter says this. He says, Not so, Lord. No, God. <laughs> No, God. How many of us said, no, God? I know better than you. But it's, no, but it's, it's, it's been a good Jewish lad, though. He says, no, God, no, Lord. Uh, there's no way I could do that. There's no way I could do that because I've never eaten anything forbidden or impure according to our Jewish laws. He's been a good boy, hasn't he? He's been the best boy. And he's not going to do it. But the voice says it again. Nothing is unclean if God declares it to be clean. And that happened three times. And if you know Peter, it seems like he has to be shown things or, or told things three times. It seems to be like his magic number. Um, anyway, he woke up. <laughs> he woke up. He was shaken by this vision he'd received. And in some translations, it says he was stunned. Like, like a rabbit in headlights, you know, or whatever. Just, I can't move. That was just too much for me. 
I know it's from God. It's dramatic. It's highly influential. It's not just some, thus says the Lord. It's not that. It's really significant. What did it mean? Well, it didn't take long to find out. And in the first part of Acts chapter 10, it tells us that a Roman called Cornelius uh, had a vision of an angel who told him to go find Peter. And, and so he'd se- he sent some messengers to go find him. And at this point, they arrive <coughs> at the house Peter's staying in. It's good timing, isn't it? You get into the best bit, Les. Good time to come. And if they ask him to... Uh, they, these messengers ask Peter to come back, them to come back with them to the town of uh, Caesarea and, and share the gospel with Cornelius. Wow. These are Gentiles he's been asked to go talk to. He's been asked to go into their house, their unclean house, and talk to them about a Jewish Jesus. So fighting, he must have been, like, he's a good Jewish boy. He's fighting all his prejudices, that word, prejudices, and he's still hearing the word of the Lord in his head. The word of the Lord is, nothing is unclean if God declares it to be clean. So, Peter <coughs> did what was asked of him. He travelled to Caesarea and he did, he did the unthinkable. He, he entered this Gentile's house. And he, he even said this. He's, he's, he, he doesn't even just keep it in. He has to get it out. He has to tell somebody, this is a struggle for me, you know. This, this is, I'm doing what God said. So it says this, it says, you all know that it's against the Jewish laws for me to associate with you or even visit the home with someone who's not a Jew, a.k.a. a disgusting individual. Yet, yet God, I love those, yet God, yet God has shown me that I should never view anyone as inferior or ritually unclean. Let me, let me pause for a moment. Have a sip of water. Just think about that. All his Jewishness, all his, you know, his, his culture that had shaped him, all that, yet God enabled him to move and to walk into a house that he previously would have just steered clear of. Think, think a minute. Think for a minute about, about Peter standing on the doormat. doormat I don't know if they had doormats. Probably did. Uh, At the front door of Cornelius' house. Maybe he broke out in some kind of cold sweat. For the first time in his life, his good Jewish boy life, he entered the house of a Gentile. Painful as it was, (coughs) he did it. And that, my friends, that's that's, that's a vital, that is a key moment in in the history of Christianity. that, That... few steps that it took to enter in is an absolutely vital moment in the history of our faith. As, as he, pre- he preached to this, this family, this, this family and, and Cornelius, and, and, he's, and the Bible tells us this, it says the Holy Spirit, oh, I love it, cascaded over all those listening to his message. Peter's not on his own, we find out at this point. It says the Jewish brothers who had accompanied Peter were astounded that the gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit was being poured out on people who weren't Jews. Mm. 
And then it says afterwards they're all baptised. You know, <laughs> just like, wow. So Peter, he'd undergone a radical change in his attitude and his life. And, and he knew, this is the other thing, right? He, he didn't consult anybody before he did what he did. And all those of you who like committees and meetings and, and making sure we're all on board and all that kind of... We're going on a journey together, you know, like all that. He didn't go and, well, hang on a minute, God, I just need to go back, gather the people together, have a good old chinwag, just so that they're sure that I'm sure that it's you speaking. He was so in tune with, with what God wanted for him in his life and, and so knew who he was as an apostle of God that when he saw this vision and he heard the voice, he knew it was God and he knew he, he, knew he needed to do what he was asking him to do. Backed up quite obviously by the fact that Cornelius had been given the same vision and those two things collided, absolutely. But he didn't go back and check that it was okay with his Jewish brothers and sisters back home because they probably actually in reality wouldn't have agreed with him because they didn't get the vision. They didn't see the vision. They didn't have the vision. They didn't hear the voice. It was him. So he would have to have tried to have explained this to his Jewish brothers and sisters. But sometimes, just God. You know, just, just God. Um, so he's been given this vision that, that the gospel belongs to all people. I use another long word, Paul, irrespective. Irrespective of race, language, or culture. For Peter, change brought with it the stress of going against what was common practice. He, he was challenged to see things differently and to act differently. And as I said, that decision to follow through on what God has shown him affects the whole course and affected the, the course of that young Christian church. The conversion, the baptism of Cornelius gives us evidence that the change had really taken place in Peter's heart. Following in the footsteps of, of Peter, God is, is, is always calling us to step forward. I've had a rev- I'm going to talk about this in detail another time, but I've had a revelation, and, and I, d- I want you to hear me right. Uh, it, it's something I need to share with you is, is that for many, many years we have said the church is a family. And it's right, it is a family. We are the brothers and sisters. It, yes, absolutely, but it's mo- more so it's a body. That's much, in my mind now, that's much more powerful. We are a body. And I say that, and don't hear me right, please, because we are a family, but hear me right. We're a body because, you know, you're that ankle over there and you're that toe over there and you're that over there and we need you all to, to function as a body. And a body goes forward. You know, there's a, there's a kind of joke that we've got our feet are facing this way so that we step forward. You know, they're not, we never go back. We always go forward. We're a body. And if we're a body, then there's movement. If we're a body, then there's... there's, there's, there's there's, there's, there's multiplication because naturally things happen when you get bodies together. I don't know, maybe I'm taking that too far, but it's, it's, we're a body together. And for me, sometimes family, it can just be a bit too cosy. We're a family together in this house, together. It's lovely, it's great, it's nice. But where's the outward? Where's the moving? Where's the going forward? So, hear me right, we are a family. Get that, don't want to lose that. But I just want you to think more, we're a body. 
with all our different parts, all our different gifts, all our different skills that we all need together to move forward together. And then, of course, you can expand that out into the wider church. All the different churches and leads have all got their, their skills and their talents. That if we come together differently, but, you know, we're not the same, but we believe in, in one God and, and, and we have a relationship with Christ. Imagine how, how much more powerful the church would be and how much, more, how much quicker we would move forward to claim this nation for the kingdom of God. That'd be cool, wouldn't it? Yeah. So, wow, that was an aside. I'll, 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 that was a bit of a blurt out. I'll, I'll tidy it up for you and bring it in a better message, but, but, but that's kind of where, where I'm at. God is, is, is challenging us to change. He's challenging us to change, and I'm not sure there are any exceptions to that. I think he's constantly wanting us to change. Um, Jesus died on the cross to change our relationship with God. He, he, he died to give us new life, to turn from the ways of, of well, let's face it, our satanic nature. Sinful nature. Satanic you know, division, separation from God. And so he gave his new life and we changed direction. Now we follow God's ways and we're his children. And that includes us as a local church, changing the way that we do things to, to enable us to better do God's work in, through us in, into the world. And listen, here's the thing. Just like moving forward seats, you know, or whatever, we, we might resist change. We don't like it completely get it we don't like it we're quite comfortable thank you very much and with this attitude you know sometimes you can find that we i'm not saying we have it but you're stuck in a rut and it takes extra effort to to get yourself out of a rut like a rut you know you're just walking and walking and going lower and lower and lower until you find oh rubbish i'm i'm stuck okay a rut's not really living is it it's it's a it's not allowing the holy spirit to challenge us to get off the road and to go places we've never been before to go places we've never been before. It's inconceivable to think that God is not calling his church at this moment in history to undergo changes of some sort. And I could have said that last year and the previous year and the previous decade and the previous century. God needs us to change. The fundamental truths don't change because God is God. God is never changing. But as a church full of imperfect people, we constantly need to change, to develop, to mature. And some of God's changes, they might need to be taken slowly, step by step. And in that case, the pain will be mild, but it'll take a long time. On other occasions, we might need to move swiftly, move with speed and commitment, shown by, by the Apostle Peter here. You know, saw the vision, went to where he needed to go, his whole outlook on, on his life and his culture changed. And if you do that, your distress might be acute, like ripping a plaster off. I, I'm one of those people, by the way. I, I'll rip the plaster off. I'll, I'll change things quickly. I don't like suffering through the constant change, but sometimes you need to work out what it is. And change might upset us. It might us feel uncomfortable. It might, might even make us want to rebel against the change. What makes it harder is that the, the changes facing us we might not be fully understood at first. So when those Jewish brothers and sisters heard what Peter had done, 
they wouldn't have understood at first why he had done what he had done. And sometimes when that happens, you might be tempted to close the shutters and block off any thought that change can be good. Change sometimes means pushing aside caution. (laughs) Subduing our personal biases. And bravely undertaking something new for Jesus and his gospel. Uh, the New Testament talks a lot about, about the new life, doesn't it? About being, changing or being transformed through, through what Christ has done for us in his death and his resurrection. Does, does, it, does it talk a lot about that, folks? Yeah, it does. And often we think about that in, in an individual way. It's about my transformation, new life. Quite right, it is. It is. But the New Testament's also talking to the church. Yeah. The people of God. Us as a body. Christ has brought newness into the church and this newness leads to change. I would even go so far to say that if the church, if we're not being challenged to change, to be made new, to be reformed and transformed, then we're in a rut. And there's nothing exciting about being in a rut. So I want you to just think, what are some of the ruts that you're stuck in? What are some of the ruts that you're stuck in? And I'm going to say, every one of us has some things. Something that we do, we're always going down that same old track. It's hard to get out of a deep rut. It keeps us from going anywhere else. It keeps us from, you know, if you imagine that analogy of you're in this actual rut, you can't see anything. You're just, you're just stuck in this rut. And it stops us from trying different ways of doing things. It keeps us from going down the same track, even when it's not healthy or good to keep doing so. And we can even be in a rut when it comes to our involvement with God, with what he wants us to do what he wants us to do in the east of the city. And, and that, the, the rut might be when we're challenged in some way, we pass it off by saying to ourselves, maybe we might say this, someone else will do that. I don't like doing that kind of thing. Someone else can. If I don't help, I'm sure someone else will. The trouble is, I've looked through church suite quite carefully and I can't find anyone called someone else. It's not there. There's nobody there that's been added called someone else. Peter could have easily said to God when he received that message to go to Thelma Cornelius, God, don't ask me. I can't do that. It goes against everything I've been taught and believed. Let someone else go. Wouldn't it be great if we were all someone else? And just as this was a major changing point, a pivotal point, pivotal point in the history of, of Christianity, how much might your involvement be in the history of Christianity? Not just our local church, but in the history of Christianity. If, if it wasn't someone else's job, but it was yours. 
Like Peter, we're, we're challenged to express the newness that God has created in us. Peter said that we've been saved through the death and the resurrection of Jesus so that we could be, in Romans 6 verse 4, empowered to walk in the freshness of a new life. So that newness means getting out of the rut of old habits, uh, the rut of impatience, prejudice, tolerance, the rut that leads us to think that the church is there to meet our needs and not giving a second thought to anyone else and their needs. The rut that doesn't allow us to get out of our comfort zone and talk to strangers at church, but always leads us down the same track to the few people that we're comfortable with. The rut that says it's someone else's job to reach those who don't yet know Christ. Consider again that story of Peter and the vision that shook him up while he was laying on that roof waiting for his lunch. Peter had to experience painful change within himself. And look, Peter didn't always get it right. Even from there on in, he'd get shakes at times. Sometimes he'd backpedal. In fact, on one occasion, Paul had to publicly confront Peter about his backsliding into old Jewish prejudices. I'll get that word right one day. In other words, it's not a painless occasion. Yet to his credit, Peter heard the rebuke, he took it to heart, and he recovered the bold spirit that inspired him to enter into the house of that Gentile uh, and preach the gospel with those stunning results. Jesus died to bring change and renewal into our lives and into the life of, of, of his church. Let's make it our prayer. Let's make it this prayer. Pray this one line with me, would you? Like, you might, you might not close your eyes. I don't know what, but just pray. Lord, change our hearts to go where you are leading us. A Christian life should be a life of regular change. A willingness to change direction, to adapt, or even create the change. Let me finish my bit with with this Max Licardo quote. God loves you just the way you are, but he refuses to leave you that way. Um, I read this yesterday, Mark's notes that he'd he'd made for today. And um, so I've just been thinking about it and praying about it. And um, I just really felt that... um, you know, I don't know anybody whose life goes from A to B in one direct line, do you? No. no. Um, I don't know any church whose path goes from directly from A to B. And I just really felt that in the context of this, that um, God was saying there's, there's no condemnation for us. Because I don't know about you, but my life looks like this. <laughs> you know? And um, there are much easier ways that things could have happened in my life. Um, if I'd maybe listened to God a bit more or I'd been brave and I'd gone one way where I kind of meandered the other way. Um, I'm sure we can all think of those things in our own lives. Um, and I, yeah, and I just really felt that um, the most important thing for us as individuals, as a body, as a family, is that we're tracking with the Holy Spirit. So, you know, we're listening to the Holy Spirit. We're going where he's saying to go. Um, we're being obedient. But knowing that God's grace is so sufficient, isn't it, for us? That, yeah, if we go a bit this way and we're meant to be going the other way, God just gently says, 
Or sometimes he will give us a vision as powerful as that. But normally, or I don't know, it's different from, for different people. But with me, I know that God just gently goes, Kath, that's not the way I want you to go. I want you to go this way. And it's like he comes and puts, you know, a good father comes and puts his arm around my shoulder and goes, it's this way. This is the way. Um, so that's just what I really, I really felt God um, wanted as a kind of like add-on. Um, that the, um, the most important thing for you and for me and for us is that we are tracking with the Holy Spirit, that we're, we're being obedient to go like that prayer that we just prayed, Lord, change our hearts so that we go where you're leading us. Um, because we can have really good ideas. And those, you know, God gives us his ideas, but sometimes we can have ideas in our own strength, can't we? And we can go a certain way. And actually God's like, this is going to be better for you. This is going to be better for them, for the family. Um, and um, yeah, I don't want to ramble too much more. But um, yeah, God is gracious um, and God is leading us. Great. Um, so I'm excited about that. Can you pray then? Yeah. Can we, can we stand to our feet? Whether you are listening or watching, we hope you enjoyed this message. Please consider giving us a rating on your preferred podcast provider. If you're watching, please hit the subscribe button and click the notification bell so that you never miss another video from Freedom Church.